The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. Kyle Posey, also from Niners Nation, is here. And so is Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Company. And welcome back, Steven Serta, producing the show behind the scenes from Arrowhead Pride after a week off. You were sorely missed. KP, Justice, what's going on on this Wednesday? Victory Wednesday? Yeah. For some of us. <laughs> For some of us. Um, I've just been... Uh... Munching on leftover Halloween candy. Yeah. That's what I've been doing. I saw Kyle had terrible ranking of Halloween candy. Whoa. There was no Twix. There was no Twix. There was no Twix. There was no Skittles. You had no fruit candy. (laughs) Yes, because I'm not a child. Oh, great. Wow. Wow. Fruit candy and fruit sodas. They're the best. Uh, You know. You had me in the first half, Justice. You like cola? (laughs) Terrible. Can't do it. Uh, To show you how selective Justice's memory is, Twix was literally the first candy in the picture. (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing here? I'll look right about half of it. Looks like Green Bay Packers aren't the only ones making errors. Yes, yes. Uh, before we go any further, I want to remind you that we are brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Today's show is absolutely loaded, gentlemen. We've got Washington Commanders news. They may be getting a new owner soon. Super Bowl champion Trent Dilfer is going to join the show. And I don't know, we have about 50,000 trades to break down since the NFL trade deadline has now passed. Let's start first with the commander's news. Uh, Forbes sort of broke this whole thing. They published an article reporting that the commanders have hired Bank of America Securities to sell the team. The team then issued a statement, basically kind of confirming that. And the big thing is is when they were asked specifically, is Daniel Snyder going to sell a piece of the team or a majority stake in the team? The commanders didn't shut down the idea that Snyder could sell the entire thing. Justice, I'll go to you first. What's your reaction to this news? I mean, the NFL owners have to have a sigh of relief at this point, right? Between all the drama of like the Wickersham articles are dropping, the NFL has to investigate Snyder. You have guys like Ursay coming out and saying like maybe he should be removed. 
right? Like, it's just easier if you sell the team. Plus the fact that they're playing in probably, if not the worst stadium in the league, one of the worst stadiums in the league, and they can't get any help locally because of Snyder. Um, it's a terrible look for the league that they're having a t- they have a team in Washington that's mismanaged to this extent. So, if I know I know Snyder's gonna cash out at, right if he if he has to sell, so it's not like he's getting really punished for anything. But right. I, I, if if they change, I, I think if they change ownership. It's good for the league. And I don't know who ends up buying it. Like, I don't know. Is it better if Jeffrey Bezos owns an NFL team? I don't know. I can't answer those questions. But I I think Snyder is a black eye for the NFL right now. He's been a black eye for over a decade. So this is really nothing new. And it's kind of crazy that it's Mm -hmm. taken this long to get him out of the paint. I think Snyder just sees the writing on the wall that, I mean, if we're starting to get to the point where Ursay. Jim Ursay is publicly saying that we need to get him out of here. Things are bad. And Snyder knows that. So this is probably just the first step in what's been a long time coming of getting him out of there. So I grab, I am kind of fascinated to see what the direction they go because like, like Rob, you know, this growing up, like Washington, like, they were a big part of the NFL, right? So I think the NFL will probably do anything and everything they can to make that happen again. Yeah, you're talking about a team that has one of the great dynasties, you know, with Joe Gibbs there. People kind of sleep on them a little bit, but like, no, they were really damn good for a while with with Joe Gibbs. And, you know, I don't know that there's any benefit to anybody in buying a minority stake in the team because you don't know what the heck's going to happen with Daniel Snyder. So to me, he's selling the whole thing. Um, And I think it's, you know, not coincidental that Mary Jo White still has not produced any results of her investigation of the league's investigation into the franchise. I would not be stunned at all. If Daniel Snyder magically sold the team and then we never heard anything from Mary Jo white about anything. And the NFL just tried to sweep this whole thing under the rug. In case you're wondering, Snyder bought the team for $750 million in 1999 and the Broncos just sold for 4.65 billion. So, you know, Snyder's probably going to get around 5 billion for this thing, Kyle. Yeah, um, leave it up to the NFL to hide a scandal. That sounds like something they would never do. <laughs> um, yeah, there's he's gonna imagine that he's he gets to wash his hands from selling a team, and his penalty is what at least four and a half billion. Um, go NFL. hell of a golden parachute, <laughs> right. hell of a golden parachute. By the way, the NFL is still trying to figure out who leaked the emails, uh, about Gruden and Demora Smith the day before Demora Smith was up for vote to be the uh, head of the NFLPA. So hmm. we'll see that that whole thing kind of just went away quietly. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. There's several investigations we're waiting word on. We're, we're still waiting for DeAndre Hopkins to uncover the truth about his <laughs> PED suspension. Also, I didn't forget DeAndre. I didn't forget. All right. Uh, so if you're a commanders fan, like rejoice, right? The day that you have been waiting for is finally here. And by the way, Daniel Snyder, Mr. I'm never going to change the name of the team. He changed the name of the team. And a little while ago, he said, I'm never going to sell the team. And yet here we are. Just just want to point that out there. But if you're a commander fan, Justice, today's a good day. It has to be. They don't like him. I mean, that, no that's one a, likes him. That's a team that I mean, you, you, you were talking about how, you know, this used to be one of the premier franchises in the NFL. I mean, people used to be scared 
to go into Washington because of yes. how crazy the fans were. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were talking about, you know, it was one of the bigger stadiums in the NFL at the time, and the fans were crazy, right? And now you look around, and it's like it's a half-empty stadium. It's ran to crap, and the only people who are buying tickets are season ticket holders, and it's like, um, what do you call them? The, the people that bribe politicians that we say don't bribe politicians. What is that? Lobbyists. Thing Lobbyists. It's all it's all lobbyists that own season <laughs> tickets and are like, if you're in town, we we have tickets to a game if you want to go to right. it. I mean, it's it's got to suck for the local fans, man. It's got to be terrible. So everyone hates Snyder. They've been trying to get him to sell the team forever. Good, good for them. Good for the fans. Yeah, and it's funny, too. It wasn't the... Uh, the sex scandals with the commanders that brought him down. It was the, wait a minute, you're not giving all the money you should give to the other owners. Wait, wait, we can't have Daniel. Then all of a sudden the train picked up speed and this whole thing escalated. It just goes to show what the owners care about and what they don't care about. N- none of that. That whole group yeah. is just very slimy to me. Cha-ching. That's all they care about. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. As long as the check clears, that's all they care about. But if you're a Commander fan, at least you can start to celebrate because I don't think you were ever, ever, ever going to be good or viable for any extended amount of time while Daniel Snyder was the owner there. Is that unfair? No, and and that's why um, when we're talking about Snyder seeing the the writing on the wall – does it has it ever seemed like over the past decade or so that he actually cares about winning? Because you wouldn't notice that by some of the moves that they've made. I think it's like uh, it's like he cares about winning if he's the reason why they're winning. <laughs> uh, that's actually right? a really good point. Yeah, like it, it's always they always got to have. Uh, I mean, this is a tricky subject because of obviously how it ended, but like. Dwayne Haskins was the local kid, right? Who wanted him? Dan Snyder. You package all those picks for RG3. Who wanted that to happen? Dan Snyder, right? So it always has to be because of him. And I think in the long run, uh, Dan's not been right about a lot of these things. So enjoy that if you're a Commander fan. I know I will. The league is better without Daniel Snyder in it. A man who demanded that people call him Mr. Snyder, which kind of tells you everything you need to know about him. All right, let's... Stop wasting time talking about the Washington Commanders and let's start enjoying the show as we talk to a Super Bowl champion, and that is Trent Dilfer. He and I got into a lot of different things about Geno Smith and just playing the quarterback position overall. So without further ado, Super Bowl champ Trent Dilfer. This is the SB Nation NFL show, and we are very pleased and privileged to be joined by a Super Bowl champion today, Mr. Trent Dilfer. Trent, thanks for hopping in. Uh, Thanks for having me, man. I have a ton of questions for you about the quarterback because I feel like there are certain people that just love it. They dive into it, the nitty-gritty, the nuts and bolts. We're going to get to all of those. But first, I know you're here on behalf of Panini Trading Cards. What do you have going on with Panini? Well, I've had an incredible relationship with him for, I think, nine years now. And um, they're the best in the biz. I was a collector as a kid. I was a kid that got jumped on his bike and ran down to the 7-Eleven, tried to get a pack of cards and hoped I got the Troy Aikman card. You know, that that was me. So I think fandom is an awesome thing in the NFL. And I think one way to kind of pour gasoline on your fandom is to use Panini as, an, as a vehicle to follow your favorite players. And the technology, the quality of card is incredible. 
I also get to do a really cool thing with Panini where I do my weekly Dilfer Dimes hit, one minute little highlight of the player of the week that stood out to me. And then, and then for the Super Bowl, I get to do the Panini Kid Reporter Initiative where we take a young person, a boy or a girl, who wins a, a draw, and I get to take them to the Super Bowl. Or if it's virtual, get to do it virtually at the Super Bowl Media Day and, and introduce them to all the Super Bowl players, and they get to ask them questions. And it's just a thrill for that young person, and it's a thrill for me. That is awesome, and you can check out the latest NFL NFT trading cards at PaniniAmerica.net. I had football cards as a kid growing up myself. I always wondered, you get to the NFL, did Trent Dilfer have a Trent Dilfer football card? Yeah, so it's a great question. Uh, There was a guy in Fresno where I played college football that collected every single card of mine and it's thousands right you know they when you play when you play 14 years you have thousands of cards so and he put them all in these binders and then he sent them to me when i retired so i don't have like a man cave anymore i did at my retirement home in austin but now that i'm a high school football coach in nashville i don't have that anymore but they're all stored in boxes and one day when i'm just a grandpa and i'm sitting around playing golf every day i'm sure my wife will make me a big man cave and and all those trading cards will be out there that is awesome you have thousands of your own football card yeah it's it's literally thousands it's it's incredible the amount of cards they make of you now unfortunately they put your stats on the back of them so we try to keep them <laughs> face up in our house because i don't really want to read my pathetic nfl stats <laughs> Oh, come on. Does it bug you when people always cite you as the example of the quarterback with the Super Bowl ring that didn't necessarily have, say, the numbers that some of the other Super Bowl champion quarterbacks have? No, it doesn't because they're right. You know, I like I, I'm a realist. I'm self-aware. Like I did not play great that year. I did. I didn't. There were a lot of years I didn't play great. Uh, I played smart. I played tough. I was the quarterback they needed on that team. I don't think they would have won the Super Bowl with a different person um, because I fit the mentality and the identity of that team, and my teammates will say that. But by no means was I the reason we won the Super Bowl. I was part of a collective that won the Super Bowl, and I played my role very well. It's hard for quarterbacks to be role players. You know, we were all the dude growing up. I was the biggest, the baddest, the most successful was the reason we won in college, blah, 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 blah. And then you have to learn how to play a role based on the identity of a team to win the ultimate championship. And I'm very proud that I was able to do that. But by no means do I think I was something I wasn't. How long did it take you to accept that at this level? Okay, I am not the biggest and the baddest and the reason that we're going to win, but I can be a piece of this. Yeah, it was really injuries created it. You know, I got so banged up in 98, 99. Uh, I was a shell of what I once was athletically um, as a thrower. Uh, my movement qualities had been diminished. Uh, my size, I went from, you know, playing at 245 to playing at 228. I just wasn't as strong as I once was because of injuries. So that really started me on the track. And I was a son of a coach. And I just realized that this game is ultimately about winning, not about stats. And I just kind of created that that chip on my shoulder, that mentality that I was going to be a warrior quarterback instead of a, a prima donna quarterback. Probably a poor choice of <laughs> words, but you know I was going to do whatever was necessary to help my teams win for the rest of my career. And I wish I would have done more. Like I have tremendous regrets on my career and how I treated my body early in my career and how I didn't learn what I should have learned. And I'm very transparent about that. But I am also very proud that I didn't let my career 
um, go to waste because I physically wasn't what I once was. I'm proud that I reinvented myself um, and was able to win a lot of football games. I think I won 16 straight games as a starter at one point in my career. So um, I'm very proud that that I'll go down as a winner. Um, maybe my stats weren't very, they weren't very good, but at least, you know, at least I'll go down as a winner. And I'm very proud of that. Can you explain that to me? Because I feel like there are always people in the NFL that come in. You talked about taking care of your body or not taking care of your body early on. There are always people in the league who are maniacal about taking care of their bodies, who tell people, hey, this is really important. You should take care of your body. And yet, for some reason, there are always people like you who don't heed that advice early on. Why not? Ignorance. I don't know. I, I'm so regretful. Uh, my wife still to this day kind of needles me about it. Um, I just didn't understand. I thought I was invincible. I think that's the easiest way to say it. You know, I was 6'4", 245, ran 4'6", squatted 600 pounds, benched whatever you put on the bench, you know, was the quickest guy, could jump high. I could do all the athletic things since I was 18 years old that others couldn't do. And I think I created this false security of I was invincible that I could just roll out of bed and do those things. And what you forget is, no, every day you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And I wish I would have understood that at a young age. Um, instead, I just rolled out of bed. And I did the work. I did the work was necessary to do physically, but I didn't do the extra stuff. And I really admire these players now that it's a 365 job maintaining their body. That's why they're making a couple hundred million bucks. That's why they're making multiple Pro Bowls. It's why they're more consistent because your body has to um, answer the call um, on a daily basis. And when it breaks down, there's no going back. And I think that's the thing that was like jaw dropping to me was, you know, to, to realize after maybe my third or fourth big injury that, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be what I once was. And it's, it's, it's hard. Like all of a sudden, man, I can make that throw in my sleep. And all of a sudden it's hard to make that throw, man. I can make that guy miss. Oh no, I can't make him miss anymore. I used to be able to run, you know, step up through that arm tackle. Now that arm tackle is bringing me down and, uh, it affects your confidence it, you really have to reinvent yourself. Um, like I did, but it, it, there's a lot of regrets there. If I could transition now to some of the guys playing today, some people would say, is Tom Brady at that point with how he's been playing this year? Do you see differences in Brady's game that maybe we didn't see a year ago or two years ago? Well, I just think there's a lot of other stuff going on there in his life, in the Bucks, in play calling, in personnel. Uh, I think he lost his blinky. You know, I think I've said this forever on TV <laughs> that every quarterback needs their, their blinky, right? Their little thing that they roll up into in their crib and makes them feel comfortable. And that was Gronk for Tom. Like he, when, when it hit the fan, he always had Gronk. Uh, and also what Gronk did for that offense, his ability to block in line in the run game, his ability to be open in the play action game, his versatility, they don't have that. And Tom's had that for a long, long time. And he's having to adjust without his blinking. And that's a hard thing to do. Um, so I think that's a big piece of it. I think physically he's the same. Uh, the, the man is maniacal about taking care of himself. Uh, I think he's the poster child for improving athletically as you get older instead of diminishing. Uh, I just think there's a lot of other stuff going on there that's led to their demise. You mentioned you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And I've heard that from a lot of people. But then I look at what's going on in Seattle with Geno Smith. 
And a lot of people have said, hey, he's playing better this year. And like, yes, that is obvious. My question for you is how, how has he elevated his game to a level that we have never seen from him before? I'd use the term lonely work. Uh, it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, we move on to the next thing when we're talking about players and we forget that they haven't moved on sometimes. If they're great competitors, if they have a vision for themselves that's different from the vision of others around them, that they're doing things in the dark that you don't, you don't know they're doing. And what Gino's done a great job of is he uses backup role in different areas to really go to work on things that he wasn't good at the first time, his first go around when he played. And, you know, you call it the lonely work because it's not celebrated. It's not on Instagram. It's not on Twitter. It's not being celebrated by the media. It's just boring, monotonous stuff that he's identified that he needed to get better at, that he went and got better at. I saw Matt Hasselbeck do it in, in 2002. Um, no, sorry. Yeah, 2002. When I got his job and I was playing, but Matt went to work on fixing the things that he wasn't good at. He didn't need credit for it. He didn't need a pat on the back for it. He just knew he was going to get one more shot. And when he got that shot, he needed to make the most of it. And he did. And I think Gino's done the same thing. In fact, I think it's ironic that Gino's in Seattle doing it because that's where Matthew did it. And I think it's a place, I think Gino, this is not a, this is not a one-off for Gino. I think this is going to be the launch of another six, seven, eight years of him playing the quarterback position at a high level. He's done all the work behind the scenes that he didn't get credit for. And it's paying off on Sundays. Did he get better from the neck up or the neck down? I think both. I think he's stronger. I think the physical part of it, he's always been a very gifted thrower, but he looks like a stronger passer now. He's stronger in the pocket. He's more confident. Um, he's making more off-platform plays, meaning when his feet aren't right. Um, I think So I think he's improved uh, physically, but I also think he's improved a lot in his approach to the game. He's always been a smart guy. I don't know if his approach to playing the quarterback position was always the best. And, and I think his approach is, is in line with his physical traits and the offense that he's in. You are obviously heavily involved with the Elite 11, which means you get to interact with a lot of these quarterbacks, a lot of the star quarterbacks when they're very young. At the point then when you are interacting with them, what is the biggest thing, the most common thing that you have to teach or address with them? Well, I think the two things we try to identify that I think we're really good at that have separated us is number one, do they have enough talent? Not are they most talented, do they have enough they have enough to dominate the college level and then enough to have a chance to play in the NFL. So we kind of know what those um, baselines are uh, and we address that. Then do they have the right stuff? Are they made the right way? Do they have the right mentality? Are they wired the right way? You can use a bunch of different terms. Do they have the grit, the substantive qualities that's going to allow them to go on this journey and thrive on this journey? Once we know those two things, then it just becomes how do we get you thinking the right thoughts and your technique becoming repeatable in a good way. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of right ways of doing it, right? But there's some best ways of being consistent at it. And we try to teach them while they're young, here's the best ways to stay consistent throughout your career and then be able to fix yourself. That's the thing that nobody talks about. That I think the best thing we do is we give them the tools to self-correct emotionally intellectually and physically. Like here's some tools that we're going to give you based on our experiences that will really help you self-correct down the line when you hit bumps in the road. You're going to have bumps in the road. Lean back on these principles and you'll be able to self-correct and turn 
uh, a bad situation and a good situation quicker uh, than if you had to lean on somebody else. In the NFL, do guys have to kind of rely on themselves to self-correct? Because it seems to me, and you would know obviously far better than me, how much actual coaching in terms of playing the position, especially maybe physically, is there in the NFL? Or is that something guys have to kind of do on their own? Yeah, not as much as there should be. I, I've I've honestly rolled my eyes since 2008 on why in the heck every NFL team doesn't have a designated quarterback mentor on their staff, a guy that understands the technical part, a guy that can kind of be a mentor to the quarterback. Somebody's been there, done that, not the quarterback coach. He's scheming. He's in coaches' meetings with somebody that can help him learn how to watch film better, work on their technique on the off days, have an extra set of eyes on them. You know, kind of like they do, and they have to go outsource this in the off season. Why wouldn't the team outsource it in season? That's always been one that I've just I, I've shook my head. And I said I do not understand. I would hire Quincy Avery, Jordan Palmer, Justin Hoover, Paul Troth. I can go on and on. Craig Nall. I'd hire all these guys around the country that have had an impact on these kids when they were 16, 17 years old. I'd hire them on staff to uh, get them in the building and, and just assist in that the, the development of that player. Would Trent Dilfer do that job? No, gosh, no. I love <laughs> – no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I, got, I got asked a bunch when I was on TV. Uh, it did not uh, – how do I say this? Um, I'm wired more as a head coach than a consultant. Mm. All right. Last question for you because I got to ask about your former team, the Ravens. They seem to be in a weird place with Lamar Jackson. They haven't been able to reach a contract extension. If you owned the Baltimore Ravens, would you want to be in a Lamar Jackson business or would you say, hey, maybe long term, we have to go a different direction? Oh, no, they're in the Lamar Jackson business. I happen to know the, I happen to know the owner very well. He's one of the great owners in all professional sports. And this thing will play itself out. Lamar Jackson is going to be a Raven for a long time and will go down as one of the greatest Ravens, along with Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden and uh, some of the others. Wow. All right. Well, there you have it. Trent Dilfer, thank you very much for the time. Again, you can go to PaniniAmerica.net. Make sure you check out at Dilfer's Dimes on Twitter. Really appreciate the time today, Trent. I appreciate you. See ya. Thanks again to Trent one more time. All right, let's take a quick break, guys, because when we come back, we got some trades to get into. And I don't know, about 50,000 of them, frankly. So we're going to have an extra large gauntlet this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are going to try and figure out the best trade from a record-setting NFL trade deadline when we come back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
as they win the gridiron gauntlet. Okay, Smarty, what's a gauntlet? Truly don't even know what a gauntlet is. The gauntlet has been laid. Back here on the SB Nation NFL show. All right, gentlemen, it is gauntlet time, and we are going to run a extra large gauntlet this week because there are trades aplenty in the NFL. I think it was the most trades ever on deadline day in the history of the league. So we have a lot to get to. We will pit one deal against another, and the winner will move on, and we will go through a bunch of trades, and ultimately we will end up with the best trade of them all. In the event of a tie, Steven Sert is going to hop in here and sort of break the tie for us as we move through. Justice, I'll start with you. Let's start with Kadarius Tony going to Kansas City or Chase Claypool going to Chicago. Oh, man. Oof. I didn't love either of these trades, I got to say. I think they both gave up a good amount. You know, Tony, obviously, it's a it's a the compensatory third-round pick. Um, we'll see how that turns out. But he's had issues, you know, getting on the field, not only at the NFL level, but, I mean, at the college level. He was only a one-year guy at Florida for the most part, and he was freelancing a bunch of routes. I mean, we'll see. Speed with Patrick Mahomes does seem to be – something that is very overpowered in this league. Um, and then on the flip side, you have Chase Claypool. They gave up a second-round pick for a year and a half of Chase Claypool, and then you got to pay him. I understand he's only 24 years old, but I don't know if that's a guy that you even necessarily want to give a big contract to. Um, I think it's kind of crazy the Packers even put in an offer for that. That I mean, They lucked out with the Bears. I, I got to say, because of the compensation, because it's a second-round pick, I'll probably go – with Tony here. Yeah, compensation has to matter. So the Bears probably had an option to give up another second round pick, the one that they acquired from the Ravens, but instead they gave up what's going to be a top. Well, it's because the Packers offered their second, apparently. Oh, so they had to one up. That makes sense. Still, they're, they're trading what's going to be the equivalent of a top 40 pick at the very worst for Chase Claypool. And if you've watched Chase Claypool, what do you like? What are your highlights of him? Well, like, what do you remember him doing? Usually, it's something boneheaded, or it's <laughs> a fancy play along the sideline that is just a contested catch. That doesn't seem like something that's sustainable. Which is why he has these games where he might go off, and then there's a three, four game stretch where he disappears. So, am I going to bet on that continuing in a Chicago offense that is starting to wake up a little bit? But I think that's more of their quarterbacks starting to figure out than anything, or am I going to bet on Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes <laughs> figuring out how to get a speedster involved in their offense? And I think this is somewhat of forward thinking for Kansas City, which Andy Reid has, has been very vocal about that. They try to stay ahead of the curve. So uh, Michael Hardman is a free agent. This to me feels like a slight hedge on Sky Moore. And then if it works out, it works out. So they get a, a quote unquote first round talent who's a very good athlete, who's a even better when the ball is in his hands and he can run. So I'm, it's pretty easy for me that this is going to be Tony. And even if Tony doesn't end up being this, let's even say five or 600 yard receiver, he might be able to be a gadget guy and eventually give you an explosive play here and there, which in the chiefs offense, that can be the difference in a game. Tony, 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 sorry, I couldn't resist. All right. So Kadarius Tony moves on KP better trade Kadarius Tony going to the chiefs or Calvin Ridley going to the Jags in one of the weirdest, oh, most complicated baby. trades I've ever seen. Thank you, Mr. Trent Balky. Man, 
of course, Ridley goes to the team that he betted on. Um, we need to figure out if he's going to play, right? Right. He hasn't been reinstated know. yet. Yeah, he like he could be reinstated. Like they're assuming, I imagine that's why they pulled the pulled the trigger on this. If if Ridley does play, it'll be him, just because the Jaguars can use anybody else <laughs> at receiver. Honestly, uh, he he's a guy who can win at the routes that they try to do. So it seems like they they love to live in that intermediate field. Um, inter, sorry, intermediate portion of the field, and he's running like little glances, like 18, 12, 15-yard routes. So I think it's going to be Ridley, and I think that he's going to help um, other guys like Christian Kirk and also get Zay Jones off the field. So if that's the goal, uh, (laughs) kudos to you. I'm going to go with Ridley, though. I really like the Ridley trade, man. And I I hate to have to give it to Trent Baalke, and I know he does a bunch of weird things, and the weird things often have not worked out well, right? Like when he was spamming draft picks for injured oh, players. Um, too soon. But the, condi- <laughs> all the all the conditions in this, I mean, they have protected themselves a little bit. And when you look at the high end, like at most you're giving up a second and a fifth for Calvin Ridley being reinstated by next year. That's a good football trade, especially considering – I mean, look at look at the wide receiver market that we've seen for the last year and a half exploding through the roof. And you're able to get Calvin Ridley for at most a 2024 conditional second round pick. That's a good that's a good trade to me. He was he's been very good every year he's been in the NFL. Like he's been productive. He's been able to win at every level and he can. So as a wide receiver, you need to be able to win one on one. He can do that and he can win inside and outside. So he gives them a weapon that the Jaguars don't really have. And I think if let's pretend that he can develop into a wide receiver one, that'll only make Christian Kirk um, even better. So it, it is a really good trade for the Jags. But again, we're assuming that he is reinstated. This is also a little Weasley move by Balky. I, I say I say both of these things, right? Like it's a good move for him. Also, he's a weasel. Just tying yourself to the future and just being like, oh, ah. this year, this year, forget about this year. Next year, next year. It's always something with him. It's good business. Remember man. when they were supposed to be better this year? Yeah, what happened to that? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence stinks. Ooh. All right. So Calvin Ridley moves on. Justice, I'll start with you. Better trade Calvin Ridley to Jacksonville or TJ Hawkinson to Minnesota? I thought it was. Do you guys think it's a lot for TJ Hawkinson? A second and a third for a half a year on his rookie deal. And then the fifth year option next year, you're probably going to have to pay him. Does Minnesota have the money to be spreading that around? I mean, you have guys that like are worth the money on your roster right now. And it's not like Kirk Cousins is going anywhere anytime soon. It just seems like a lot to me. I, I know that they're hurting at tight end, but because you're hurting at tight end doesn't mean you got to like invest for the next five years at the position and just lock down TJ Hawkinson, give up two day, day two picks and probably give them a contract moving forward. I, I thought that was a lot. I think Detroit won that trade. Um, I know people were like, Oh, Detroit lost one of their better – like, Detroit's not winning anything right now. I don't know if Hawkinson is even a guy that you want to give a big contract to. And because of where he was drafted, he's almost certainly going to ask that, especially since his fifth-year option was picked up. It just I, – I I think Ridley makes – I mean, Ridley costs less than Hawkinson 
right? At the end of the day, I think Ridley's a better football player. I could not agree more. I don't, I've always struggled with just TJ Hawkinson's value. And I'm not, I'm not really faulting him for being picked as highly as he, as he should have, but he's never really shown that he is this plus wide receiver. So when you talk about struggling as a tight end, if I'm Minnesota and I need, I know that I need another threat opposite of Jefferson, knowing that Thielen's getting up there, get another wide receiver. It doesn't have to be a tight end just because that is your specific need. So I think that they, they narrow their focus too, uh, too far here on, in on Hawkinson. I, again, I, he's never really been this, this plus receiver to me. I know he has a long play this year and that does not mean he is an explosive player. I don't know, man. I've, I've always struggled to see his value. He, he's supposed to be this plus blocker and he's a good blocker, but he's not like a dominant blocker. And mm-hmm. again, if it comes back to him winning one-on-one, I'm not going to count on that. I would much rather like what the Browns did with David and Joku bet on a guy like that, as opposed to um, what the Vikings are doing with Hawkinson. It just, the ceilings are just different for me. And that's why I, I struggle to see this working out for Minnesota. Could be wrong. I hope I am. But the history would suggest that uh, Hawkinson is who he is at this point. The other thing, too. Okay, Minnesota's spending right now. They have a good record, all that stuff. Is this going to change anything for them when they go against the Philadelphia Eagles? I think they're still dogs to the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, the Eagles are through the roof in terms of, like, their lead on the rest of the NFC. So you're maximizing the window right now. Sure. A little bit. You're still hoping someone beats the Eagles at some point and you're hosting a home playoff game. Doesn't it seem like TJ Hawkinson is like uh, Kyle Rudolph 2.0 for the Vikings. Like they're going to use him at the goal line, right? He's a big dude, just like Rudolph was. But yeah, do I see that move significantly tipping the scales? Mm, Probably not. All right. So, Calvin Ridley moves on. KP, better trade. Calvin Ridley to Jacksonville or Naheem Hines to Buffalo. Man, RIP James Cook. So much for that experiment. <laughs> these, yeah, what the these heck? These coaches are not patient at all with these young guys. And and I know that, you know, whatever position is going, there's going to be an adjustment coming into the NFL. But it's he played 15 snaps and against the Packers on Sunday Night Football. That was his highest snap count of the season. So whatever he was doing, they haven't seen enough. I do think Hines is a good player. I think he will be able to add something for them out of the backfield. But I mean, I I still think there's more value in what Ridley could potentially bring to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, All I'm imagining him is running corners and Trevor Lawrence dropping in the bucket and that being 20 yards every other series with Hines, like sure he can catch a ball out of the backfield, like the touchdown he had, Uh, just this past week, but we've seen him disappear. We've seen him get injured. He just had a concussion on a primetime game this past season. So it's like, I think what the Bills could do with Hines, they could get out of a lot of different players, whereas with the Jaguars and Ridley, like you can't do a one-for-one in in other scenarios like that. So I'm going to stick with Ridley here. I think so too, and it's just the level of commitment from Buffalo to use one of those guys out of the backfield, we haven't really seen it yet, right? Like you could have been doing some of that stuff with Dalvin cook. We haven't seen you (laughs) decide to run or not Dalvin cook, James, um, James cook, James. We haven't seen them commit with James cook and try to run routes for that guy specifically instead of one of their star receivers. I don't understand why that would change 
even if Naheem Hines is in the backfield. I mean, maybe you're getting better production when you're actually running the ball. Um, but Hines, his value isn't necessarily running the ball. It's like all the other things he can do out of the backfield. And I just don't think this team is built that way. So I, I, I get the trade. Is running back. Yeah, I know. Like they're, they're but, actual running back. <laughs> right. So I don't like, know. What are they going to do with they could look for a little bit more explosiveness with Hines, but I mean, again, you could have been doing that with Cook this whole time. So, I I kind of like this trade for the Colts actually, because I I know you're only getting back a fifth round pick. Um, I know you're only getting back Zach Moss. Those are kind of whatever exchanges, but you're also getting this contract off of the books, and this might be a right. contract that the Bills, you know, down the line end up kind of regretting a little bit. I gotta be honest with you guys. I'm stunned that Calvin Ridley has lasted this long. Like, are we really sure that he's, you know, a top flight wide receiver? He's been in the league for four years. He's got 1,000 yard season. Has he really done it without Julio Jones on the other side of him? And we're talking like Julio when he could actually run and play. Like, are we sure Calvin Ridley is this guy? So in this scenario, he's going against Naheem Hines, who is under contract with a base salary of $4.4 million and $5.1 million over the next two years in an offense where they just gave the ball to Devin Singletary 14 and 17 times. So the volume and the contract, like that has to factor in here. And again, when Ridley has been on the field for the Falcons, he has been productive. And to have that type of production with Julio Jones should actually say something to the type of player he can and will be, assuming that he is in the number one role <laughs> in the Jaguar with the Jaguars. So I, I, I stand by it. I think that like he's just, he has a good predatory. He's been a good player. As long as he doesn't log into FanDuel, he'll be okay. <laughs> you mean DraftKings? <laughs> My bad. Cause you should Sponsor log into show. DraftKings if you're going to make your, <laughs> your bets. That's all I'm saying. All right. Let me try and dethrone Calvin Ridley here. Justice better trade Ridley to the Jags or Christian McCaffrey to the Niners. I do kind of like this trade for for the Niners. I mean, my whole analysis here, I know people are going to look at the draft picks and say, like, that's a ton of draft picks. Kyle Shanahan can't help himself. <laughs> at some point, we just have to accept that. He's going to burn draft picks on running backs. Yep. I just hope it's fun. I mean, imagine all the stuff you could do with McCaffrey and Debo out of the backfield. Um, this Niners team is very much – in the race for, for the West that could be, I mean, a one game in the West could decide the difference between if you're the three seed or if you're on the road and wildcard weekend. Right. So, or on the, I actually do kind of, yeah, true. I mean, yeah. I mean, what was it? I think pro football focus said last week, like 77% of uh, their models um, have three AFC or NFC East teams making it. So, I mean, it's it's seven seed basically for everyone else, you know, in, in second place in, in their divisions of the NFC. So I I understand trying to go for this. Um, it is funny when you look at all the running back picks that Shanahan has either traded or made. Um, but, I mean, McCaffrey settles that. I mean, you're not moving off of McCaffrey for a while now. Yeah, I think if we're just talking, and people love, love to sit on this hill that, He's a running back and a running back only. You can't say that after he just had nearly 200 yards, 200 all-purpose yards. He almost, McCaffrey almost matched 
the yardage that the Rams offense had as a whole. So <laughs> we're talking about incredible value here when he's on the field. You can essentially get him one-on-one, and he's going to win that battle every time. We saw that on Sunday. So um, the things that he's able to do, and I've been watching the 49 for a few years now, they haven't had a guy like this. <laughs> the way that he runs the ball – they don't make him like that, man. He's uh, he's very good at what he does, and he's very good at everything. I think that is important to point out too. So, um, he saved them on third and seven, for example. They would have punted if he didn't make two guys miss. One of the players that McCaffrey made miss goes by Jalen Ramsey. Not a lot of people are able to make him miss in the open field. So, other than Aaron uh, assuming, <laughs> assuming that. McCaffrey is going to get the bulk of the load moving forward. It's going to be hard to bet against him. Um, our producer, Rob, he said 26 touches for McCaffrey this past um, this past weekend, 10 first downs. That is efficiency. It helps when three of those are touchdowns. So, of course, he's probably not going to have a three-touchdown game every week. But, again, with what he's able to bring to the offense, with how he's able to attract attention and, you know, deflect that for other guys, I think – uh, 49ers are cooking with some gas here with McCaffrey on the field. And the odds that any of those draft picks are going to be used on a player who becomes as good as Christian McCaffrey are actually really low. I know it's hard for people to grasp that because <laughs> we love draft picks before they're actually yeah. selected. But Christian McCaffrey is really freaking good. And yeah, I'm homering it up right now. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, KP, Christian McCaffrey or Bradley Chubb going to Miami? Oh, man. So... They and they extended him already, right? Like he has a new deal. I know they were working on it. I don't know if it's officially official yet, but I know that that was the plan was to to complete the trade and then to get him a new deal. So I think the world of Bradley Chubb and I think Mike McDaniel understands. I mean, coming from the 49ers, he knows how important it is to have a pass rush. So we're talking about a 26 year old. So he's still in his prime. He's only going to get better playing in a system where they're going to score a lot of points, they're probably going to be up. He has another young pass rusher on the other side of the ball, Jalen Phillips, so he doesn't have to worry about you know eating double and triple teams like some of the other star rushers without any help on their team. He's really good, man. Um, this is tough. I don't know which way I'm going to go here. I, I'm trying to think of who would bring more value in the playoffs. And because of that, I might have to go McCaffrey because he's going to be able to score touchdowns and you can probably um, scheme around Chubb a little bit and maybe rely on a young player like Phillips. But I I can see this working out very well for the Dolphins. And, and looking back and saying, oh, you only gave up this for Bradley freaking Chubb? So it it's pretty close to a coin flip, but I, I still lean McCaffrey because if he was able to produce in the way that he did in, on a team, when he was only there for nine days, it's probably only going to get better, especially when they add another piece like Debo to the offense. I think the Chubb, I think the Chubb trade looks great, especially when you juxtapose it to the Rams offering two first-round picks for Brian Burns. Right? Why weren't the Browns or why weren't the uh, Rams in on this? That's what I don't understand. If you're willing to give up, I I don't think there is a full first-round difference between. Chubb and Burns, do you, KP? I mean, I think Chubb is a pretty good football player. Yeah, he's very good at what he does, man. Um, <laughs> maybe the the Rams were so focused on on Burns that they forgot to look around or that they were unaware that Chubb was available, which 
is bad business on their part. Um, I it's tough to envision Chubb failing or flopping with the Dolphins. Yeah. And of course, he has to stay healthy. But I, oh, it's a really good deal for them, and it, and it, I think it'll look even better the further we get away from this deal. And the other thing is Miami has been terrible in terms of their past defense. <laughs> This entire year. <laughs> so get, getting a boost there, I mean, is is great, not just right now, but, I mean, moving forward. They've been – they've regressed like crazy this past season. So I, I really like this Chubb trade, especially for, you know, the value compared to what, what a potential Brian Burns trade could have been. I mean, all we heard is Carolina doesn't want to move anything, Denver doesn't want to move anything, and then you get Chubb for a first-round pick less than Brian Burns' cost. That's a win in my book. All the right, Dolphins sounds like we got our 30th in dropback EPA per play and 29th in dropback success rate. Imagine that changes with Chubb. And I think they're one of the worst teams at getting pressure with four, right? That would make a ton of sense. <laughs> uh, so we got our first tie of the day. That means we need to enlist the services of one Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. Steven, better trade for you, Christian McCaffrey or Bradley Chubb? I actually do agree with both of you in different ways. Like I think that these trades work out well for both teams, but I think when I'm talking about difference maker and adding to, you know, both teams are already really talented and teams that I think when everything clicks right, they can like go win a Super Bowl. I think I have to pick Christian McCaffrey for the 49ers just because Love it. I think more so than like any other team in the NFL. McCaffrey can bring so much to the table for that offense and can add such a different dimension than a lot of other running backs can in roles across the league. And he can be a flat out difference maker in a way that running backs just aren't necessarily. And I, I just have so much faith in that. And I think Bradley Chubb is a really good player. I think there's a case to be made. We haven't seen close to what his ceiling is in the NFL because of how injured he's been throughout his first couple of seasons. So I think it's going to wind up being a great move for both teams, but I just think impact this season, CMC is the winner in my mind. Why do you think San Francisco can win a Super Bowl and Miami can't? Say Tua, say his name. (laughs) (laughs) That's my question. I understand Tua's passing stats right now. Great. I keep seeing a lot of underthrown footballs that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are making incredible catches on. Get him. Get him. Get in his mentions at Steven Serta. (laughs) Coming on strong. All right. Thank you, Steven. Christian McCaffrey moves on. Justice, let's keep it rolling here. Better trade Christian McCaffrey to San Francisco or Robert Quinn to the Philadelphia Eagles. I love the Quinn trade. They only had to give up a fourth-round pick for a pass rusher. I, I think that's a great move for a team that's right on the cusp of competing for, I mean, as, as close as you can get to being a Super Bowl favorite when a team like the Buffalo Bills is, you know, playing as well as they are. I think they're, they have like one real team, like it's just the Vikings competing with them for that one seed in the NFC, as long as they, they hold that lead over the uh, Dallas Cowboys. So I love this trade just in terms of the compensation and the player that you end up getting back. I know some people look at, Quinn's you know counting numbers right I I I don't I mean Quinn's stats overall you look at them year by year it tells you how finicky kind of like the counting numbers are for pass rushers right one year he'll have 10 sacks the next year he'll have two he's still a solid football player and a guy that you know you're adding another pass rusher I mean what can't this defense do at this point 
Yeah, it's Quinn. And the reason it's Quinn is because the Eagles are going to have the lead in the playoffs. When they have the lead, Quinn is going to be one-on-one. When Quinn is one-on-one, he wins. I cannot make it any more simple than that. <laughs> they look really good. Philly, that is. And like Asia Brown's not going to be mossing Akella Witherspoon every other play in the playoffs or down the stretch. But they're going to score points. There's no doubt about it. And I think they are set up to play with the lead on defense. I think that that is going to play itself out. They have a good secondary. And then what they've already have a ton of athletes on their defensive line and Quinn only just makes them more dangerous. So um, this was an outstanding trade and I, I'm not aware of his contract. I don't, I imagine it's a rental with, but based on what they did give up, but I mean, it's, it's a freaking day three pick for Robert Quinn, man. The right. So justice was just talking about his counting stats. Did we forget those counting stats a year ago? Yes, uh, exactly. That, like he's he's still that player. And I think that's going to show itself too now that he's with the Eagles and not on a team where they can triple team him or where teams just don't pass the ball against the Bears because they don't have to pass the ball against the Bears. So, <laughs> yeah, I think this is a pretty no-brainer. Right. Quinn is a dominant player. And Quinn was having to do so much of that stuff by himself last year. Remember, yeah. Akeem Hicks was getting hurt and stuff like that. Um it's crazy that we went through like an entire off season of like the Quinn, you know, Quinn wants a new deal. Quinn wants to get traded, all this stuff. And the most that the bears could have gotten for him was a conditional fourth round pick. I mean, if, if you just look at, you know, Quinn out second round pick out, what comes in chase Claypool in a fourth. I don't know. I, I don't think the, uh, the bears won one this week. Hmm. I really don't. This is as close to what will what the Rams did with Von Miller last year. Like this is the type of move that really props a yeah. team and takes them to another level. Damn. Two divisional games that I'm so looking forward to. I love it. The league put, tries to prioritize those at the end of the year. Niners in Seattle that we just talked about a little while ago. And Cowboys Eagles on Christmas Eve. Like I know that right now the Eagles have a two game lead in the loss column, but like I'm still, I want to see that. Give me the Eagles. You know, Dak hopefully will be running on all cylinders by then. Those two games, like I definitely have those circled on the calendar, KP. Yeah, Gino's the best quarterback uh, that we mentioned of those four teams. So it'll be fun to watch. Do you guys think this is off topic? Is Seattle going to keep this up? Like, is hold on? What we, we got to go back? Uh, Did you just say Geno Smith is the best quarterback <laughs> of him, Dak, Jalen Hurts, and Jimmy Garoppolo? Just uh, just leaning into a, a bit here. I I am just happy to see Geno. Um, I imagine. What would you give Geno? Is he getting the Tannehill deal? Ooh, if Tannehill got the Tannehill deal, why wouldn't Gino get the Tannehill deal? <laughs> That's my question, right? I know I, it's because I keep seeing Seahawks fans that they're like. CJ Stroud and I'm like you guys have played yourselves out of that one already I think yeah that's not an option anymore um I think everybody just keeps waiting for Gino to turn into a pumpkin right to to revert back to everything that we think we know about Gino and we're midway through the season I feel like that would have happened by now I think their offensive coordinator is just way too good they have too much talent around him for that to happen yeah he's he's set up to get paid and if he's smart I think he would stay with Seattle because they have an up-and-coming offensive line and uh, those receivers are still in their prime too. Seattle does have those Denver picks though. So, you know, maybe they, if they did want to move up for a quarterback, I guess maybe it could be possible, right? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I would use, I mean, based on the way he's playing right now and assuming that he can just, he doesn't have to maintain this top 10 level, but he, 
just keep trying wide, keep doing what you're doing, play this way. I would use those picks on just more impact players on the other side of the ball. Yeah, they need it on defense. So, <laughs> all right. Well, just we have one more trade to go with. Uh, we'll stick on the defensive side of the ball. Robert Quinn to the Eagles, Justice, or Roquan Smith to the Ravens. I get the trade um, for for Roquan Smith. I mean, the Ravens have struggled mightily down the middle of the field. Um, I still just like in terms of the compensation, I like the Quinn trade a little bit more. But this would have been one that would have beaten a, lo- a lot of the other matchups, I think. I think Roquan Smith is a very good player. I think him and Baltimore is about as good of a fit as you're going to get. But at the end of the day, you did end up give- giving up you know, a second-round pick, which is a pretty significant deal when – I mean, they're going to give Roquan Smith – uh, a sizable contract, and yeah. they can't figure out the money for Lamar Jackson. Huh. <laughs> Weird how that works out, right? So I, I, I kind of think the Quinn one ends up winning out. So Roquan is 25, and I understand the investment. I imagine they're betting on Baltimore is betting on their culture to win out and get him to stay. I think the world, he is a really good player. Like he's an He's a great athlete. Um, he can just key and diagnose. He can run and chase. He can do everything you ask in a linebacker. And in, in today's age, that is very valuable. But still, we're talking about a second-round pick for that. And not just for Smith, but as Justice said, the, he's going to be, what, one of the top five highest-paid linebackers in the NFL? So that has to be factored in. Whereas Quinn, um, even if it is for the next few months, he has a chance to propel you to the Super Bowl. Teams are still going to be able to throw on the Ravens more than likely, right? Like unless he turns into the superstar pass rusher where he's blitzing and he's getting after the quarterback and like, sure, he's going to be able to help with some underneath tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. But the Ravens question marks are still in the secondary and they still have yeah. to be able to ship prove that they can slow down the pass. And I don't think that that is going to be answered right away. Whereas I think with Quinn, I mean, I, I imagine oh, they play Thursday. So he's going to have plenty of opportunities as a 14-point favorite. Uh, yeah, I think, I think the answer's Quinn here. There you go. Robert Quinn, champion of the gauntlet. Best trade of any team around the NFL trading deadline. If you disagree, agree, whatever, let us know. Leave us a rating, hopefully five stars. Drop it on uh, Apple iTunes. We will read it on the show. Gentlemen, I'm going to give you some time to enjoy more Halloween candy. Thank you very much, and we will talk to you next week.